The third step is to discern the key blockages, key values that are blockages. Now, when you have a problem with weeds, it's not enough just to try and chop off the top of the weed. I had a problem in my yard when I had a yard with dandelion. And unless you could get the entire root out, that dandelion would come back. And it would come back even stronger than it was before. Whenever you face a problem, it's invariable that there have been certain core values that have been embraced by people that are not biblical values. Because if people had true biblical values, then they would be open to reach out to the harvest. They would be open to change. They would be open to move ahead. They would, to some degree, have the heart of God in their life. So it's very important before you try and sow good seed into a soil, that you have to remove the weeds. But those weeds are very hard to remove sometimes, especially when there's been 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of the same thing being grown in very hard. Now, if you're going to try to get rid of a weed, one of the first things you need to know is specifically what is the weed and where is it? It doesn't good good just to go through a whole field and just try and weed generally. You need to know specifically what you're dealing with. And I'm calling these weeds the the, uh, the values that are blockages. Okay. Now, how do you actually discover those things? Let me address a problem that I think many of you could could say you you struggle with. To make it a little more personal, rather than sit some problem out there that they have, let's deal with one that many pastors and elders deal with. I find that the key person in a church that keeps a church from starting another church is not necessarily the lay people. It's the pastor. Secondarily, it's the elders who often reflect the values of the pastor. Now, if you can bear with me on this, just to, I want to walk you through the exercise of saying how would you discern a spiritual or a value blockage. Let me uh, give you a series of, oh, maybe five questions. And so you may want to jot these down on the page opposite just because of the uh, amount of space that's going to be required. See, sometimes these blockages can come from, from just the lack of information. Sometimes they are, are wrong attitudes. And other times they're actual core values that are in spiritual in nature that are contrary to what God would want. From your experience, this is the first question. What are the primary concerns and or reasons that pastors or leaders give for delaying or avoiding the starting of new churches? In other words, what are the excuses that are normally given as to why we can't do this? In the United States, sometimes they'll say, well, we already have enough churches. Believe it or not, I've even heard that one in Germany. We have a church here. It's been here for 900 years. So why would we need another one? The fact the church averages less than 50 in attendance is sitting in the middle of a city that's 1 million doesn't seem to make any difference. Or we'll say, well, it'll damage the, uh, the mother church. But what you're listening to is just listening to the concerns, listening to the reasons why they may not want to. Just think for yourself. What, what, what concerns do you have about the starting of a new church out of yours? Second question. Now, this takes it a little bit further. Whenever you face resistance to an idea, a very excellent consultant taught me one thing. It's always one of two things or both, or both of them. 
Whenever you face resistance, it is either due to fear of loss of control and or fear of vulnerability. I have not come across an exception to that idea. So when a pastor or a church leader is resistant to the notion of starting a new church, at the heart of that is either fear of loss of control and or fear of vulnerability. So when pastors resist the idea of starting a new church, what are the fears that are there? What about the fear of vulnerability? Maybe they don't know how to do that. Maybe there's a fear it might fail. Maybe there's a fear that they might lose members, which is really a fear that they may not get the raise in their salary they hope to get next year. It may delay the the plans that they have for something else. They may fear losing prestige because only the larger churches are those that are recognized. You, You understand here we're going a lot deeper than just the surface issues that we asked in question one. Then go to the third question, which takes it even deeper. What core values have pastors and leaders embraced that inhibits a commitment to church planting? So in other words, we're going now, taking a look at number one and number two, and going deeper and say, what are the real core values that have been really embraced that give rise to these kinds of fears and these kinds of objections? Is it a lack of compassion? A lack of compassion for people without Christ? Is it a lack of faith in God's ability to do what he said he was going to do? Is it a lack of a willingness to, to, to provide leadership? Is it, is it a lack of, of generosity? You're trying to hang on to everything that you have instead of giving it away like Jesus talks about? Do you see how this takes it down to a much deeper level? And the reason I've been doing it at, at this level for a personal thing that you can relate to is I'm just trying to show you that the issue of change is a very difficult one because it requires to start being honest with ourselves and to be honest with God so that God can can begin to shape his heart within us. And I would suggest to you, unless you're willing to allow God to start changing your heart in in these kinds of ways, that you will not begin to see the changes in the hearts of the people you're trying to lead. Because when churches change, the pastor is the one who changes first. There's one other question that that, uh, could be raised. This one goes a little bit broader. This is more for the denominational leaders. How does denominational structure policy, and reward systems contribute to the problems above. Because, in fact, churches that are part of associations have a system that they're a part of. And many denominational systems have ways that, in fact, inhibit church planting. Because if a church were to be good at giving away people and resources, it may not grow to be large, and thus, thus it will not grow to be recognized. Anyway, that's a, that's a whole other question. But summarizing your thinking then, that would be the number five question. What are the key issues that need to change in order to move toward church planting or whatever the vision is you're trying to do? Now, this is the kind of process you can use to reflect upon things. Now, I, I, I use the church planting example very deliberately because I think it's one area where there was probably the most amount of fear and resistance about. But when you start seeing clearly what it is God might want to be doing, you will discover for every vision there's an equal and opposite revision. And that that resistance to that idea comes off of the issue of core values. So we discern the blockages so that it can become a matter of focused prayer. 
Now, I mentioned this on um, Monday afternoon, but I think it's worth repeating. We not only pray against the blockage, but we also pray that God would develop the opposite of that within us and within the church. And we begin to act in ways that are opposite of that. If the problem is greed, we act generously and pray for generosity.